time. Hallelujah, hallelujah. How many of you know that God is great and greatly to be praised? Amen. So one more time, let's just give him the praise that he is due. Thank you, choir and praise team, for just bringing us into the presence of the Lord. They don't know it, but all of those songs fit perfectly with the message that I'm bringing this evening. Not going to get to it right away, but I promise I will as we go. You can go ahead and be seated because I'm going to intro just real quick and then go to the Lord in prayer as we always do. If you've not been with us over the last few weeks, I finished up a series, a short three-week series on Al-Turan, Be Not Afraid. Uh, last week, I pray that you were blessed by it and that you are learning to walk by faith and not to be uh, walking in fear. The title of my message tonight is just a one-time message, unless for some reason God decides to press it on. But we won't have service next week because of Thanksgiving, so I'm sure this is a one-time message. But the title of my message this evening is simply, Give Thanks. With Thanksgiving a week away, I thought it would be appropriate and even right for us to hear what the Word of the Lord has to say about thankfulness. And I'm not just doing this because Thanksgiving is here. I'm doing this and bringing this Word because I truly believe in my heart that this is the Word God wants us to hear and it's confirmed with even the songs that they sang this evening. But before we go to the Word and go to the Lord, let's just go into prayer one last time and as always ask God to be with us and anoint us. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your great name. We thank you, Father God, that we serve a God that is high and lifted up, Father God, above all of our circumstances and situations in life. I thank you that there is no one greater than our God, Jehovah. We give you praise this evening, Father God. And as always, we ask that your anointing and the power of your Holy Spirit and the presence of your Holy Spirit would be with us tonight. God, I confess, as always, that I do not and cannot do this on my own. I need your Holy Spirit, as always, to touch my mind and my body and my mouth and to touch every word that comes forth, God. I pray that you would empower every word, God, that you would anoint every word so that it would be fruitful in the lives of the listener. I pray that you would come against every hindering spirit, every distraction, everything that might disrupt us, Father God, this evening, God. I pray that you would control our mind and control our thoughts, that you would control my words and everything that we do so that you would be glorified this evening. Let our time together be fruitful, Father, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen. Like I said, the title of my message is Give Thanks. And how many of you know, regardless of our life's lot, regardless of the circumstances or situations that we might face in life, we all really do have good reason to give thanks to the Lord. Amen? You see, the reality is in the midst of world turmoil, in the midst of economic trouble and struggle or economic downturn, in the midst of marital or familial or financial difficulties that might surround our lives, we all still have very good reason to give thanks to the Lord, church. Because Psalm 107, we read the words of David, which said, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. And it's exactly what we sang about tonight, the goodness of God. So no matter what we might be facing 
this evening, no matter what we might have had to face yesterday or what we might have to face tomorrow or next week, no matter the difficulties that might surround us, no matter the trials or the tribulations or the sadnesses or the sorrows that we might have to go through in life, we all still have a very good reason to give thanks to the Lord. And that's because he is good and because his love and his faithfulness endures forever. You see, the reality is our thanksgiving church, it shouldn't be tied to the temporary pleasures or pains of this life because those pleasures and pains will one day go away. The pleasures will go away and the pains will go away. Our thankfulness shouldn't be tied to the ups and downs in life because then our thankfulness would be up and our thankfulness would be down. Our thankfulness or spirit of thanksgiving should not be tied to the sunshine shine or to the rain of life. It shouldn't be tied to the sickness or even to the health that we might experience in life. It should be tied to the fact, the simple fact that God is good. Amen. As a matter of fact, first Thessalonians 518 tells us that we are to give thanks in all circumstances. It tells us that we are to give thanks in every situation or in some uh, renderings, it says in all things. We're to give thanks whether the day is sunny or whether the day is gray, whether we feel good or whether we don't feel good. We are to give thanks in every situation, the Bible says. The truth is, in every situation, God has called us to have a spirit of thanksgiving, church, because He is good. Not because our circumstances are good. Not because our life is good today and then it might be uh, bad tomorrow. He tells us that we are to give thanks in all circumstances and situations because He is good Not because my finances are good. Not because my marriage is good. Not because my family situation seems to be good. Not because my day or my life right now in this season seems to be good. We are to give thanks unto God because He is good, church. Because the reality is one day your finances won't be good. And one day your marriage might not be good, heaven forbid. One day your family might find itself in the midst of a a struggle. One day you might wake up and the sky is gray. But I want you to understand that we are to give thanks to God because He is good. The truth is our thanksgiving shouldn't be tied to the size of our bank account like it is for so many of us. Our thanksgiving is based on the amount of money we seem to have in the bank or the quality of the car that we seem to drive, church, or the kind of clothes we live, or or because of the financial blessings that we have. But our thankfulness should not be tied to the size of our bank account or to the size of our difficulties, or, or they should not be tied to the temperature, church, or the season, or the forecast of the day, literally or figuratively or spiritually. Our thanksgiving should not be tied to our emotions or shouldn't be tied to our feelings because our feelings are fickle. One day you'll feel good and the next day you'll feel bad. One day your emotions are up and one day your emotions are down. And it's why our thanksgiving should not be tied to our emotions. 
Because our emotions can be all over the place. Amen. Our thankfulness should not be tied to our feelings because our feelings can be all over the place. Listen, the reality is there will be times in your life where you don't feel like giving thanks. There'll be times in your life where you don't feel like praising God. There'll be times in your life when you don't feel like worshiping Him or lifting up a hand. But the Word of God tells us that in all situations, in all seasons, in all things, and in all circumstances, we are to give thanks unto God because He is good. Amen. David had it right. He had it absolutely right when he said, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. How many of you know God is good? Amen. He is good. He is good. He is good. And if you don't hear me say anything and you don't walk away with any truth tonight except that, that's the only truth you need to know is that God is good. Your day might not be good, but God is good. Your marriage might not be good tonight, but God is still good. You might not feel real good in your body, but God is still good. You might hate your job and your job not be good, but God is still good. Your household might not be in the best physical or spiritual or emotional condition, but God is still good. Amen? And that's why he's worthy of our thankfulness, church, because God is good. David said this. He said in verse 21 of Psalm 107, Oh, that men would praise him for his goodness, church, and sacrifice thanksgiving to the Lord. Oh, that men would praise him for his goodness, church. And the reality is I, those were the words of God coming through David. So I can look at it this way. I believe God is saying, oh, that men would praise me for my goodness. Oh, that men would thank me for my goodness. Oh, oh, that men would worship me, men and women. Oh, oh, that people would thank me for my goodness because I am good all the time. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to God because His love endures all of the heartaches and the headaches and the sadnesses and the sorrows and all the trials and the tribulations and the sudden storms that will come into our life, church. And He is worthy of thanks in every single one of those situations and circumstances simply because He is good. Like I said, there's so many areas of our life that may not be good. But what we can not lose sight of is the fact that in every one of those situations, God is good. Amen. You see, the devil will try to get you to link God's goodness to the goodness of your day. But that's not true. Because if your day is bad, like I said, God is still good. Amen. What the devil will come and tell you, well, God's not good because your marriage isn't good. And God's not good because your finances aren't good. And God's not good because your family's in such a mess or your marriages are in a mess or because your finances are lacking. So God's not good. I want you to know that God is good all the time. Amen. He is good, He is good, He is good. And the more that we can understand that and the more that we can realize that, the more reason we have to give thanks because God is good. If we would just focus on His goodness 
If we would just focus on his faithfulness, if we would just focus on his love, which endures forever, church, instead of focusing on the fire or focusing on the flood or focusing on the sadness or the sorrow or the storm or on the trial or the tribulation, our lives would be filled with more thanks, church. But the sad reality is far too often we're focused on the fire instead of on the father. Far too often we're focused on earthly things and temporal things instead of focused on eternal things. Why do you think God said, set your mind on things above? Because when our mind is set on things above, it enables us to have a spirit of thanks. When you look on things below and you dwell on things below, and when you look at the fire and you and you look at the flood and you look at the troubles and you look at the struggles that you go through, and that's where you're focused, then then there's there's no way that we can give thanks. But the reality is, if you could be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were in the fire, who were while they were in the fire, they saw God. They were able to come out unscathed, the Bible says, and unscorched. Here's the reality is, church, if if while we're in the fire and while we're in the flood and while we're in the storm or while we're in the darkness or while we're in the sorrow, if we could just see God, then our hearts would be filled with thanks. I know that that's an odd thing or a hard thing, but here's the reality. When you are stuck in the fire and stuck in the flood, If you look at God, you find a reason to be thankful. And so when our eyes shift away from God and they look at earthly things and and the troubling things, then we're unable to give God praise. David said, give thanks to the Lord for He is good. And what we have to learn, church, is that God is good in the fire and God is good in the flood. We have to learn that God is good in the sickness and God is good in the storm, that God is good in the trial and the tribulation and he's good, church, in the trouble and in the struggle. And it's why we are to offer him thanks, because he is good all the time, even when the time is bad, even when the time is bad. Listen, we're living in bad times. Amen. All you got to do is turn on the TV and see that the days that we are living in are evil. They're bad times and sad times, church. But in the midst of those times, I'm here to tell you that my God is still good. That my God is good all the time because my eyes are not on Wall Street and my eyes are not in in Washington, D.C. And my eyes are not on the Republican Party or the Democrat Party or the Independent Party. My eyes are on Jehovah God. God and my God is good and he's good all the time. Listen, you want a spirit of thankfulness and thanksgiving to rise up within you. Get your eyes on God. Amen. We have to learn that God is good all the time, even when the times are bad. Excuse me. If you read the entirety of Psalms 107, 1 and 2, David says this. We've already read verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good as love endures forever. Then immediately, David says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. And what this tells me, church, is that our thankfulness and our praise and our worship should rest on one thing, and that is on our redemption. 
Our thankfulness shouldn't be based on the arena of events that take place or seem to happen in our lives. Our thankfulness shouldn't be based on pumpkin pie and roast turkey and on rack of lamb that we're going to have next week, church. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying those things. But I'm here to tell you tonight that our thankfulness should be based on rest on one thing, and that that is on our redemption. The reason we are to give thanks in all circumstances is because of what God did for us on Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago. The reason that we are to thank Him, church, in all situations and circumstances is because He was good enough to rescue us from the fowler and rescue us from the foe. The reason that we're to give thanks to Him in all circumstances and situations is because He was good enough to save us from our sins. That He was good enough to give us His only begotten Son, church. That's why we are to give Him thanks in every situation. Because God was good enough when we were bad. He was good enough when we were undeserving. He was good enough, church, to give us His only begotten Son, church. So therefore, He should be good enough for our praise. Good enough for our thanksgiving. And it's why we should give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. It's another word David used. He didn't just say give thanks. He said give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. How many of you only, how many of you know there's only one that is good? There's only one that's truly good. The Word of God tells me that there are none that are good, no, not one. You know what? You're not good and neither am I. The Bible tells me that my righteousness is like filthy rags and I hate to tell you so is yours. Where there's none that are good, no, not one. There's only one that is good, and it is Jehovah God. And it's exactly why David said, give thanks to the Lord. He didn't say give thanks to Allah, and he didn't say give thanks to Buddha, and he didn't say give thanks to Hare Krishna, and he didn't say give thanks to Anak or, or give thanks to any other false god. He said give thanks to Jehovah, because Jehovah is the only one that is good. Jehovah is the only one that paid a price. Jehovah is the only one that gave us His only begotten Son, so that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And if that's not good, I don't know what good is. There's only one that is good. Every day we wake up, we ought to be giving thanks to Jehovah, because He's the only one that's good. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His loving kindness endures forever. Oh, amen. I know it may sound like a cliche, but the truth is, if God never did anything else for us, we already have enough to be thankful for. And that's our redemption, church. It's our rescue from the foe. It's our deliverance from the hand of the enemy. If he does nothing more for you for the rest of your life or nothing more for me for the rest of my life, he's done enough for me to give him thanks for all eternity because he rescued me, because he redeemed me, because he paid a price for me, because he brought me out of darkness into his glorious light. Therefore, I will pray. Praise Him, church. If He never does anything else for you the rest of your days, He's already done enough for you to give thanks to God. 
He's already done enough to prove that He is good, church. Because no one else can do what He's already done for us. He's redeemed us, church, and that's what our thankfulness should be based upon. In the Greek, there's three words for redemption, which our thankfulness should rest upon. Three words that I want to look at to give you a better understanding of why you should give thanks. Amen? The first Greek word is agorazo, and it means purchased in the marketplace. And as you all should well know, 2,000 years ago, church, Jesus Christ went into the slave market of sin and he purchased our salvation. What we need to know is that he purchased our freedom in the marketplace of sin. He redeemed us from the foe, church. He delivered us from evil. He went into the marketplace of sin. That's what that word means. Agarazzo, it means purchased in the marketplace. I want you to know that you and I were purchased in the marketplace of sin. That there was a time 2,000 years ago that Jesus went into the marketplace of sin and He purchased our salvation. And it's why we should give Him thanks and why we should give Him praise, church. It's why He is good. The number one reason we should give thanks in all things is because Jesus set us free. It's because God was good enough to purchase our salvation, church. He was good enough, like I said, to give us His only begotten Son. And that should be a good enough reason for us to give thanks unto God. Amen? Another Greek word connected with redemption is lutruo, and it means to obtain release by the payment of a price. How many of you know Jesus paid an awesome price? You see, what we all should well know is that price was the blood of Jesus Christ. What we should all well know is that 2,000 years ago, like I've already alluded to, Jesus went into the marketplace of sin and he paid the price of our freedom with his own precious blood. Amen. He didn't ask someone else to pay the price. He paid the price himself. He obtained our release from sin. He obtained our release from bondage. He obtained our release from the land of Egypt. He, he, he obtained our release from the curse, church, through the price and the payment of His Son, Jesus Christ, and the precious blood of the Lamb. And it's the number one reason why we should give thanks, because He paid a price that He didn't have to pay. He, he paid a debt that you and I owe, church, but 2,000 years ago, he went into that marketplace of sin that I already said, and he purchased, he paid the price for our salvation. It's a costly price, and it's the reason why we should give him thanks in all things. Amen? Amen. He obtained release by the payment of a price. It cost him his blood. It cost him his life to bring us out of Egypt, to bring us out of bondage, to obtain our release from sin. And it's exactly why we should always in all things give him thanks. The third reason or the third Greek word relating to redemption is very similar and it's, it's part of the first word, but it's eggs. Agarazzo or exagarazzo, 
which means or always involves going from something to something else. In this case, it's taking us from bondage to freedom in Jesus Christ. How many of you are thankful for Exagorazzo, where he's taken you from bondage to freedom in Jesus Christ? What it refers to here is taking us from the old man to the new man. It's taking us from spiritual poverty to spiritual richness. For Israel, it was going from bondage in Egypt to, to a land that was flowing with milk and honey. For them, it was taking them from the curse to the blessing and the promise. That's what that word means, and that's what God did for us. That's what redemption means for us. Agarazzo, exagarazzo means I once was lost, but now I'm found. He brought me from a condition of being lost to a condition of being found. It means that I was blind, but now I see. He brought me from spiritual blindness to spiritual sight. That means I was once living in darkness, but now through his redemption, I am living in his glorious light. It means through Jesus, he has taken me from death to life. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that God redeemed me, church, that he brought me from something to something else, that he brought me from darkness into his glorious light. From that, I'm thankful that he brought me from the land of the lost and the land of the dying to the land of the living and to the land of the found. I'm thankful. Church, that God redeemed me, that he brought me from something to something and from someone to someone else, church. And it's the reason why we should give thanks in all things, because he brought you from something to something else. He brought you from whatever hurt, brought you from sickness, brought you from bondage, brought you from depression, brought you from addiction to something else, church. And we should always be thankful for that. This is what we are to be thankful for, church, that he brought us, church. We're to be thankful in all things because he is good, because he purchased our salvation in the slave yard of sin, one, because he paid the price for my freedom, two, and because he took me from darkness to light and from death unto life, number three. This is what we are to be thankful for, our redemption from the hand of the foe, our deliverance from the evil one. Church, how many of you know there's an evil one out there? How many of you know that his name is Satan and his goal is to steal, kill, and destroy? But here's what you need to understand and what you need to be thankful for is that God, through Jesus Christ, redeemed you from the foe. He redeemed you from the snare of the devil and redeemed you from the trap of the enemy, church. He rescued you from sin and from death. And it's the number one reason why we should give thanks in all things. Not because of some earthly blessing, not because of some temporary trinket that God has allowed me to have. Please understand me this evening. Every good thing you have, God allowed you to have. The car you drive, God allowed you to have. The house you live in, God allowed you to live in. The clothes you wear, God allowed you to wear. The jewelry or the bling that you've got on, God's allowed you to have it. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. But I want you to understand that all of that will one day pass away. And if your thankfulness is on the thing, is based on the thing God has allowed you to have, your thankfulness will disappear. Your thankfulness needs to hinge on the one and be built on the one that gave you all 
good things. Amen. Because all good things come from above. Amen. That's what we have to understand. It's what we have to realize. We have to thank Him in all things because we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. If we look at Psalm 107 closely, we find the very first thing we're admonished to do is to give thanks. It's actually the very first word David used. It was the word give. He said, give thanks to the Lord, David said, for he is good. And the word David used here, the, the word give, it means to sacrifice freely. It means to consciously surrender. So the truth is, what we need to understand this evening is that thanksgiving is a choice. We need to understand this evening that praise is a choice. We need to understand this evening that that adoration for the Father is a choice. We need to understand that the worship of God is a choice. We can either hold on to it or we can give it away to the one who redeemed us from the foe. We can hang on to it or we can give it to give it away to the one who paid the price. We can hang on to it and be stingy with it or we can give it to the one who redeemed us, church, and brought us out of darkness into his glorious light. We can even either withhold it from God or we can surrender it to him freely like he freely gave us his son. How many of you know he freely gave us his son? And that's exactly what we're supposed to do with our praise and our worship and our thanksgiving. We are to freely give it and freely sacrifice it to God. But whatever we do with it, the reality is thanksgiving is a choice. Every time we come into the house of God, every time we come into the presence of God, you and I have a choice. A choice to give Him our worship or not give Him our worship. Every time we come into the house of God, we have the choice to praise Him or not praise Him. Every time we come into the presence of the one that has redeemed us, church, that has rescued us, that has paid a price for us. Every time we come into the one, into the presence of the one who shed his precious blood, uh, we have a choice to either magnify him and exalt him and worship him and give him sacrificially and freely all of our thanks. We have the choice to do that or to withhold it. And the sad reality is there's a lot of individuals that come into the house of God and they withhold their praise and they withhold their worship and they and they withhold their thanksgiving church because it's based on something other than the fact that God is good. Well, my day's not good, so I'm not going to worship. My wife said this, or my husband said that, or the the person on the other side of the church did this, or the other person did that. I don't care what they said. I don't care what they did. What I care about is what Jesus Christ did 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross. He gave you a reason to give thanks unto God. Listen to me. I'm not always going to be good. Your neighbor's not always going to be good. I'm not always going to say the right things or do the right things. 
Don't look to me to be good all the time. Don't look to me to make you happy. Look to God. Because He's the only one that's good. But my point is simply this. There's far too many individuals that come into the house of God in the presence of the God. And they base their thanksgiving church on their surroundings and circumstances and situations instead of on the fact that God redeemed them. In Romans 1.21, Paul said, Though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. They withheld it instead. And the sad reality is, like I was just saying, far too often we do the same exact thing. We fail to honor Him with thanksgiving, church. Far too often we withhold our thanks because we're not happy with our circumstances and situations, like I said. We withhold our thanksgiving because we're not happy about the condition of our marriage. We're not happy with the condition of our finances. We're not happy that there's turmoil in the household. We're not happy with the job. We're not happy with our income. We're not happy with the car that we drive or happy with the house that we live in. We're not happy with all the bills and we're not happy with the debt and we're not happy with the way they sing or we're not happy with the lights or we're not happy with the sound. We're not happy with something. Not happy with his hairdo, not whatever. It's silly junk. What we need to be thankful for is that God is good. And he's good all the time. And every time we come into his presence, every time we come into his house, we should be prepared to praise him. Amen. One of the reasons I'm bringing this word, church, is because far too often we forget how good God is. Far too often we forget the price that He had to pay in order to redeem us. Far too often we forget what He did in order to rescue us from the fowler or rescue us from the foe. Far too often we take His goodness for granted just like the children of Israel did. They took His goodness for granted and they grumbled and complained more than they gave thanks and praise and worship to God. And far too often we do the same exact thing. They grumbled at His blessings. God forbid that we ever do that. They were hungry so He gave them manna from heaven. He performed a miracle! And instead of giving him thanks, instead of worshiping him every time, they went out to pick up the piece of manna and saying, God, I thank you for another day's provision. I thank you for another meal. I thank you that you're good enough to provide for me. I thank you that I have this. They began to grumble and complain. Same thing as yesterday. Doesn't God have anything else on the menu? They complained about a miracle. And far too often we do the same thing. We fail to recognize the goodness of God in the midst of life's situations and circumstances. We begin to grumble and we begin to complain instead of thanking God because He is good. How many of you know God is good? Amen? He's good all the time. He's good when you wake up. He's good when you walk along the way. And He's good. He's going to be good when you lie down tonight. Amen? 
Far too often I myself, listen, my wife tells me sometimes I complain too much. And I do. When I should be singing a happy song, when I should be saying good things and better things, when I should be giving away my praise, church, far too often I complain. When I should be thanking Him for the story of my redemption, when I should be thanking Him for the story of my salvation, church, when I should be just thanking Him for what He did, listen, the reality is far too often we're telling the wrong story. He said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, church. And far too often, we don't talk and we don't act and we don't speak and we don't communicate like the redeemed, church. And I'm going to get to that in in just a second. But what the reality is, we should be thanking Him on a regular basis, no matter what situation or circumstance we find ourselves in. We should be thanking Him for the story of our redemption, church. Listen, you have a story just like I do. And the one thing that I want you to understand, no matter how different it is or how God redeemed you, he did the same thing for you that he did for me. He redeemed us, church. He did the same exact thing, maybe in different ways, but he redeemed every single one of us, church. And we should be thankful for that story of redemption in our life. When every other, when every other thing about your life is sad, when every other area of your life is filled with sorrow, you need to turn to the page of your life, church church, where He redeemed you. When everything else is gray, you need to turn to the page of your life where He brought you out of darkness to His glorious light, and you will find a reason to give thanks unto God, because it was on that day that He was good. Amen? And we need to keep that in our mind. I'm going to begin to wind this down already. I've still got some to go, but if there's anybody that wants to come to the music, we can do that, church. David said, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Tell their story. Don't go telling my story. That's my story. Don't go telling your neighbor's story. That's their story. God said, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. You have a story and God wants you to tell it. And the more you tell it, the more thanksgiving comes up. The more you tell it, the more praise comes up. The more you tell it, the more worship comes up. You want to know why some of you can't praise God? Because you've never told your story. The reason some of you can't worship God is because you've never told your story Or you don't understand your redemption, or maybe you've never been redeemed at all. But I want you to understand that when you understand your story, and you begin to tell your story, and when you begin to verbalize and communicate how good God was to me, thanksgiving flows out of your life, church. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed, get this, let the purchased ones tell their story Let the bought with his blood ones tell their story. Let the freed from sin tell their story. Let the rescued from the foe tell their story. If you're a born-again believer and you've called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved, you have a story to tell. It's a story of thanksgiving, church. That's what the story is. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. What story? It's the story of thanksgiving. 
It's the story of their redemption. It's the story of Agarazzo. It's the story of Lou Truot. It's the story of Exagarazzo Church. It's the story of redemption. It's the story of how he went into the marketplace and purchased my salvation. It's the story of how he paid the price for my, for my sin and for my freedom with the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the story of him bringing me from one thing to another. And the sad reality is there's a lot of you in the house tonight that have never told that story. You've never had the courage or the bravery to open up your mouth and tell the story of your redemption church. And it's why you can't worship him and why you can't praise him. It's why there's no thankfulness in you. The question is, what story are we telling, church? What does God hear? What do others hear when we open up our mouth? As I wind this down, the Word of God says in Philippians 4, 6, Be anxious for nothing. Just turn that down a little bit. Be anxious for nothing, but with prayer and supplication, along with thanksgiving, along with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Along with thanksgiving, not absent of thanksgiving, but mixed in with thanksgiving, hand in hand with thanksgiving, topped off with thanksgiving. He is saying, make your requests known to God. And what we have to understand, church, is that if we leave thanksgiving out of our prayers, if we leave thanksgiving out of our communication and conversations with God, then our requests are nothing but complaints. I don't know if you've ever thought of that. But the reality is, if our requests are not mixed in with thanksgiving, they're complaints to God. God said, and He made it clear, the only way you'll have peace The only way you'll have confidence and faith that God will do what He'll do is that when our requests are mixed in with thanksgiving. And the sad reality is far too often we go into the presence of God and we go into our prayer closet and we throw out this list of needs to God and we never once say thank you. We never thank Him for what we're asking Him for in advance. God, I thank You that my son's coming home. God, I thank You that my daughter's coming home. I thank You that my marriage is going to be mended. I thank You for the provision that's coming. I thank You for the miracle. I thank You for the increase. I thank You for the healing. I thank You, God, for my redemption. All hell might be breaking loose in my life. All of of the demons of, of destruction might be coming against me. But I thank You, God, that You have redeemed me from the fowler. And You have redeemed me from the foe. I thank You that no matter what my situation looks like, there's therefore no weapon formed against me that will prosper. If you want your prayers to have life, if you want the windows of heaven to be open, you've got to mix your requests with thanksgiving or there will be nothing but complaints. Listen. The house of God has too many complainers of which I am one. We need to make sure that our song and our story is the right story. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. And if there were ever a time to remember God's goodness, 
If there were ever a time we needed to honor him as God with our thanks. If there's ever a time we need to give away our thanks and freely surrender it to God, it's when we come before his throne room of grace in our time of need. How dare we come into the presence of the King of Kings without a spirit of thanksgiving? How dare we come into the presence of the one that redeemed us from the foe without thanksgiving? How dare we come into the presence of the one that shed his precious blood without thanksgiving? How dare we come into the presence of the Holy One of Israel and the God which is good all the time without a spirit of thanksgiving and praise being mixed in with the requests that we have? Listen, God didn't say, don't bring me your requests. He didn't say, don't bring me your burdens. He didn't say, don't bring me your problems. He didn't say, don't bring me your heartaches and your headaches. He didn't say, don't come to me in the midst of your trial and tribulation. He just said, when you come, make sure you come with some thanks, church. This is what we have to do. Why do we come with thanks? Because he's good. Amen. Because of what he did, because he redeemed us. Listen, one of the reasons why so many prayers aren't answered today is because our prayers aren't filled with thanksgiving. Because they're empty of praise, like I said, because we're not giving thanks to God for his goodness. It's because we're telling the wrong story. It's because we're singing the wrong song. Closing here. David said in Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. But you want to know why so many of us are ungrateful? Why so many of us have trouble giving thanks? Why so many of us have trouble worshiping God and praising God? It's because we've lost the taste of God. Because we've lost the taste of his goodness. I'm going to explain this. It's because we've lost the taste of his body that was broken. We've lost the taste of the precious blood that was shed in order to redeem us. Meaning we've lost the taste of his mercy and the the taste of his grace. Because when we can taste his grace, church... When the taste of His mercy is laid upon our lips and we can taste it, church, we can't help but praise Him. We can't help but worship Him. When the taste of His mercy and the taste of His grace, church, is found upon our lips, it is with those same lips that we begin to praise Him and we begin to worship Him and we begin to thank Him. And the reason so many individuals come into the house of God and cannot praise Him is because they have lost the taste of His mercy. They've lost the taste of His grace. Or they've never tasted of it at all. Because once you have, if if that taste is on your lips, church, it affects everything. This is what you and I, we need to get the taste of His mercy and the taste of His grace back on our lips so that our lips can praise Him, so our lips can worship Him, so our lives can thank Him. Amen? Listen, the only place where we can ever taste His mercy, the only place we can ever taste His grace 
The only place that we can truly taste and see that the Lord is good is at Calvary's cross. It's at the cross of Jesus Christ. It's where He purchased us with a price. It's where we were redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. It's where we were brought from darkness to His glorious light. And I don't want to lose you here, but here's my closing teaching. What we have to understand is that whenever we are detached from the cross, we lose the taste of His mercy. We lose the taste of His grace. Here's what we need to understand. The devil's not stupid. He doesn't have to bring super large destruction into your life for you to forget about God. All he has to do is move that. And if he can move the cross of Christ out of sight, he knows that you will lose the taste of his mercy. He knows you'll lose the taste of God's grace. And he knows that the result of that is grumbling and complaining against God instead of worshiping God. So if he can cover the cross with the pleasures and treasures of life, that's what he'll do. And my point is simply this. The reason a lot of us can't praise God and worship God and thank God is because we've allowed too many things to cover the cross of Jesus Christ in our life. We've allowed maybe even the blessings of God and the pleasures that God has allowed us to have or the treasures God has allowed us to have. They've shadowed the cross. And, and, and what happens, church, is when we can't see the cross, we can't see His goodness. And when we can't see His goodness, we lose our reason to give thanks. We lose a reason to give praise. See, the only thing that you should worry about seeing and beholding every single day is the cross of Jesus Christ. God, if you show me nothing else today, show me your cross. If you don't show me wealth and you don't show me health and you don't show me riches and you don't show me an advance and you don't show me a raise, show me your cross. Because that's the, the number one reason and the only reason that I can truly give thanks. You understand what I'm saying? If it wasn't for the cross, church, nothing, nothing else matters without the cross. And so what we have to realize is that, is that when we are detached from the cross, we lose the taste of His grace. Whenever we lose sight of the cross, we lose sight of His goodness. And whenever we lose sight of His goodness, we lose sight of the reason to give Him thanks. Please understand, if you want to taste and see the goodness of God, you need to go no farther than to the cross of Jesus Christ. If you're looking for a reason to give thanks this evening, you need to look no farther than the cross of Jesus Christ, church. You need no look farther than the place where thankfulness is born. You need to look no farther than where our thankfulness should stand. You need to look no farther than the place where we were redeemed and rescued from the foe. The reality is we can't give God very many things, if we can give God anything at all, but we can give him our thanks. You see, I can't ever repay God for what he's done. 
Not enough silver, not enough gold, not enough sacrifice, not enough treasures, not enough trinkets that I can can give to God in exchange for what he did for me. But I can give him my thanks. Amen. I can give him my praise. I can give him my worship. I can give him my adoration. How many of you believe he's worthy of your thanks? Stand to your feet this evening and let's give him some praise and let's give him an applause. Stand to your feet. Come on. Just bless the Lord this evening. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Why? Because he is good. Amen.